Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Happy October, October 1st. Uh, Happy Tuesday. So episode 458 of Coach Unplugged. Uh, Excited that you decided to join us today. Before we go and talk to Coach Boone, part one of three parts of our interview with him because it was so good. And I think it was an hour, over an hour and a half that him and I talked basketball, a little bit of everything. Uh, before we talk that, let's talk. To, let's thank our sponsors. First of all, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We ask our, our girls and our guys to, to get better and work on their crafts. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Go over and check it out. It's a vast resource. We're just... We're just in the process, probably. If it hasn't happened this week, it's going to happen next week. We've got a bunch of new courses coming up, a season course, a course on um, picking quick hitters. We've put up a bunch of preseason course, all sorts of new courses, hundreds and hundreds and almost thousands of hours of video and handouts. And um, So go over and check that out. Also, make sure you go over and check out Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine in the markets. Um, if for no other reason, their customer service is second to none. So make sure you go over and check it out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $300 off your next purchase. All right. Talk to you soon. Happy uh, Coach Unplugged. Happy Saturday, Coach. I appreciate you taking time on your Saturday to do this. Um, not well, sure what the weather you. is like there, but it's like 75 and sunny outside right now. Oh, it's pouring the rain here now. <laughs> pouring the rain. Okay, so that's not as bad. You know, I, we're in Wisconsin, and like five days ago, it snowed like four inches. So, you know. Well, we're, not, we're not getting any of that. <laughs> yeah, you don't miss any of that. Um, so I have been – let me just tell you, first of all, I am a, I'm a huge fan, um, not only, um, you know, watching from afar. You know, I'm, I, I'm obviously a Wisconsin guy, and obviously with the Bennetts and, and Bo Ryan and stuff, we're big pack line people in Wisconsin, but I've been a big fan of yours for a really long time. So I want to get that out first. Um, I love the stuff that you do and kind of how you teach it. Um, so I'm a fan. I kind of know your past and your history and where you've been. Um, but I'm going to have, um, what I'm going to do is have you kind of introduce and give the cliff note, spark note version of kind of your basketball journey, um, where you started and how you ended. And I know you just got a new job. So kind of where we are now. And then, uh, and then this is very conversational. We'll just talk basketball. I've, I have a bunch of questions I'd love to ask you. And uh, I know people that listen to this would love to ask. And then uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Okay? All right. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, you've already introduced me as uh, Jim Boone. I'm the head basketball coach at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. It's um, 
it's been a journey for me. This is my, um, will be my 34th year as a head coach. I, um, you know, I didn't go to a, a Duke or a Kentucky or North Carolina, so I really don't have a pedigree, so to speak. So I've kind of had to earn my way, earn my stripes. And uh, usually that's been by taking a bad job. Right. So we've well, I, I, I'm, our- I'm not kidding. I bet I, bet I get asked – especially this time of year, I bet I get asked once a day, how can I get a job? How, what goes into the interview process? How can I get the next job? And it's crazy the number of times I've asked that question. Um, and I think there's more than one way to get from point A to point B, but. There are yeah. there's so many different ways to move. And, you know, I probably was not prepared for my first head coaching job. I was very fortunate to inherit the program at California University of Pennsylvania. I was only 27 years old. And, um, you know, it was uh, on the outside looking in, it was it was a losing program. I think they had won four or five games a year before. Right. But once you got into it, rolled your sleeves up, I had a, a great returning roster. There had been a couple of guys recruited that people didn't know about. The head coach had left to take another uh, position as an assistant coach. And I was really fortunate that I inherited uh, an assistant coach. And a lot of times you're like, hey, you know, you don't want someone who either tried to get the job or was associated with the program. But in this case, at Cal PA, it was the absolute best thing to happen to me to have Phil Stewart as my assistant. the rest is history there. Ten great years. Moved on. Took the Robert Morris job in Pittsburgh. That's an, Before we get to the Robert Morris one, that, yeah. it sounds like a very similar journey to me that when I got my job, I was the only applicant. It was a horrible – they hadn't won in 30 years. <laughs> and, and one of the hires I hired was a former head. He became a principal, but I hired him because he knew kind of the community and stuff. Um, right. So it, it, it's – you have you have to ask questions when you take jobs i would say yeah for sure okay so yeah, then robert really morris do. yeah well yeah. i was and again i was very fortunate to have uh phil um he and his wife ended up being dear friends of ours and still are today he's he has since retired um, right but yeah i i went to robert morris university and it, i turned the job down a couple of times it was robert morris college then great reputation that's where five star basketball camp was held, you know, all the best players in the nation attended that camp, whether it was yep. Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Moses Malone. I mean, you go down the list, they were. You and I are old enough to remember that. I went to, I went to five-star and blue chip when I was a player. And that, <laughs> and, 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 and I tell my kids, I tell the kids, I saw, I saw uh, Larry Bird play Akeem Olajuwon one-on-one. Um, wow. and it, Oh yeah, it was crazy. And, and they look really at me like, what, what are you talking about? I go, well, that was pre-AAU. Like you had, it was, you went to one of those camps if you wanted to get seen. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. There yeah. was, AAU didn't really exist. And then it, even when AAU really ramped it up, uh, Five Star was still going strong with Howard Garfinkel. And, right. you know, he was a treasure that we lost a couple of years ago. But He was. Uh, he, he really was. And, he was and, a super uh, person. I got to meet him when we were at Myrtle Beach, and he took one of my players under the, his wing and, like, it was uh, it was great. Yeah, Howard was a Howard was. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> he ran his camp. He ran it his way, yep. and it was only that way. Yep. He, he was he was special. He was. 
You um, wanted to be on his list for sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we ended up turning that around and, and uh, took the team in four years to the conference title game uh, on ESPN. And that led to my next uh, step in our journey that was taking the Eastern Michigan University job and uh, was not a good job. You know, I didn't realize what a mess it was. Um, there was just all kind of things wrong with it to make a, a long story short. We turned that around. We ended up, uh, you know, bringing them back to respectability. And then I had an opportunity to to make a decision. Um, and, you know, Eastern Michigan was the first time that I faced a situation where my contract wasn't renewed. Right. And, uh, you know, what are we going to do? We've been doing this forever. It's our lives. It's who we are my wife, my two sons, and I had a chance to coach my son. He was uh, a junior in high school. He was going to be a senior, and I was given uh, – I knew he wasn't good enough to play at Eastern. He was a good right. player, solid right. player, but he wanted to play for me. And how special is that to have a son that, that wants to play for you? That's on my, that's on my list so, of questions for you because I have a son that's a junior in high school too. So I have, a, I have some questions for you on that one. But go ahead. Well, we wouldn't <laughs> trade it for anything. Yeah. We, we'll get to that shortly. But yeah. um, I, I turned down some Division One major college Division One assistant coaching jobs so that I could go to Tusculum College in Greenville, Tennessee, a small – Division II institution in the South Atlantic Conference. And I had an opportunity to coach Jimmy for four years uh, after he completed his senior year. And it was awesome. I wouldn't trade it, wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, that led me to go home. West Virginia Wesleyan offered me a job and I had a chance to go home. And I was happy with that. I'm from West Virginia. It was literally the campus is two hours from where my dad lives right now. And I thought this would be our last stop. Uh, hired Jimmy as a uh, as a grad assistant, quasi grad assistant. Um, and after a year, I'm sitting in my apartment. We really hadn't had a chance to move yet because nobody bought our house. So my right. wife, she's holding the fort down in Greenville, Tennessee. And again, I'm sorry to elaborate, but to make no, a this is interesting. Short, I get a call from. Uh, uh, a lady I'd gotten to know really well, who was the athletic director at the University of New Orleans at the at that time, Amy Champion, and she said, "Do you know that the Delta State University job is open?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, I think it's everything that you're looking for." And I said, "Well, Amy, I'm home. I, I you know, I'm, right. I'm not going anywhere." And she goes, "Well, listen," and she uh, goes through all this uh, list of things that were important that she knew were important to me, and I said. Well, what do I need to do? Oh, two weeks later, I was the head coach at Delta State. Uh, we had a great seven-year run here. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome opportunity. We went to three NCAA tournaments in that seven-year period. Should have been at four. Got left out one year. Um, won a lot of games. Had two two different guys that ended up being player of the year in the league three different times. And then I get a call a few few weeks ago from uh, the athletic director at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and what a treasure. Uh, not only him, 
Curtis Jans, former basketball coach, but the university, the community, and what they want to do with their program. And it right. just aligned perfectly with us, the opportunity to hire my son, Jimmy, as our assistant. And we took it. So we jumped so in. I, so what do, you look for, what do you look for when you're, what do you look for when you're looking at, at a job like that? What do you, what, what, what specifically do you look at when you're looking for, for a job? Well, frankly, in this situation, I, I, we, we were in a very good situation here at Delta State. We kind of built a tradition, if you will, where our players were coming back in the summers to, you know, to be a part of our team camps and other camps to work them to play where we were very well known throughout our region and state, but we, we've been very, you know, Steve, I've been blessed. We've, we've won a lot of games because we've had great players. Right. We've been to two final fours, I think eight sweet 16s been ranked numerous years. We're on the winningest active list for division two coaches. Uh, but I when Fort Smith called, it was an opportunity to do a couple of different things. First and foremost, I believe it's a school that you can have it all. So to answer your question, it's a university where you have the campus, the support system, the facilities, the community and area that you can attract the best Division II players in the country, I believe. And so, therefore, you can have great people who are great students who are there to get their degree first and foremost, but who also are very talented and you have an opportunity to compete at a national level. Right. So, for us, that was the missing piece, that we yeah. have a chance now to take a program where we feel on a year-in and year-out basis we're going to have an opportunity to compete at, a, at an elite level. Right. And then – Steve, frankly, secondly, it was the opportunity to hire my son. Right. No, I, I mean, that's what I, I, there's a couple things. First of all, I think for anybody applying for any job, it's, it's what kind of administration do you have? What kind of support do you have? What kind of facilities do you have? What kind of kids can you get to come to your school? All those things I think are so important and you kind of know when you find it <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, when you, right. you haven't found it, you know, you know, when you see it and, right. um, you, you hit the nail on the head. The key for me in listening and moving forward in that process was their athletic director, Curtis Jans. Um, tremendous person. I mean, just quality family guy. He gets it. He understands basketball. He understands college athletics. He'd been an athletic director for 11 years at two different institutions. And um, he just we, – we were – just totally taken in by him and his family and knew it was the right decision. Right. So give me, give me, so this is where I'm a little naive. Give me, I mean, I understand the difference between the levels, but explain to me the difference between the job. <laughs> Obviously there's money involved, but explain the difference between like a D two job and a D one job. Explain, explain to the people listening really what's the difference between those specific types of jobs. Well, the, the two biggest differences are that the Division II job has one less uh, one behind its name than the Division I job. Right. And secondly, uh, 
you, you, you only have 10 scholarships instead okay. of the 13. Okay. So, and, and a lot of division twos, well, not a lot. Some division twos don't have the, the maximum that you're allowed to give, which is the 10 full okay. scholarships. And I would add probably one more component to that, other than the one we all know. You mentioned the money that's involved, right. the budgets right. that are involved, and the yep. notoriety that's involved. Yep. And, and, and I would like to get back to that in a second, but the, uh, in division two, in division one, when you give a young man a scholarship, that's, that's, that scholarship and you're allowed 13 of those, but in division two, you're allowed 10 equivalencies. Okay. And an equivalency is what it takes to fully scholarship one individual at your institution. And without getting too, uh, technical on this, you know, if you get a young man that receives a lot of academic financial aid, then conceivably he could get all the athletic money to pay for him to go to school uh, stacked with that academic aid. And so he's only about a 0.75 rather than a 1.0 or whatever it might be. So we typically, and in our situation at Fort Smith, we'll probably have anywhere between 12 and 14 young men that are on full scholarship. Okay. Taking up those 10 equivalencies. Okay. But here's the big thing for me at Division Two, and I've coached at both levels. The small Division One level, that at the time that I was at Eastern Michigan University, we were the ninth-ranked uh, conference in Division One basketball in the, in right. the nation. So um, the biggest thing about Division Two that has really attracted me and kept me at Division Two is I, I think you get kids that are more about graduating and the experience and not that they're not that way at division one because i know they all hey everybody i hope you're enjoying that um if you could right now leave us a review even if it's just a five-star review that's great or if it's a written review i read every one of them they do mean a lot to us no matter where you listen especially on itunes um also make sure you go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better we're all kind of creeping up we can see basketball season off there in the in the horizon um can't imagine a better time to come join before all the changes that are going to be happening happen um also if you would like to help us out um any shop do any shopping on amazon you can click our amazon link down below and that would be one way um every time you purchase something we get a a little uh little kickback and you know as an affiliate link so i hope you're enjoying the podcast let's get back to it i'm telling you the d3 level the coaches that are coaching d3 now it's crazy oh Oh, it's unbelievable you've got the best coaches in the country or are in my opinion are at the division three and division two levels right um because they're there to coach right they're coaching their teams yeah yeah they're coaching them up they really are all right so i you're you're a huge pack you're a huge pack line guy um, I'm a high school coach, so I don't get I like I'm I had an open gym today, but I'm not coaching my guys year round. So let's say we come to November. What would if I could, what would be the five keys to me? To, what if you could only pick five things for me to emphasize all year on on defense? What would it be? Well, for us, we call it to know your nose, and we actually have seven. Okay, if, okay, if we I can do seven. If I could remember all of okay. them off the top of my head, which okay. I, I probably can, uh, because they're really important to us. Right. And it's not just as it's not just important that I know them, that our coaching staff knows them. It's important that our players know them. <laughs> the number one thing for us is uh, no paint. Not as a pack line team, 
no matter what, we cannot allow the ball to get the paint. If the ball gets the paint, that's code red, 911. Right. We have to get it out of there. And I always tell my guys, it's if that ball gets the paint, there better be consequences. Either we're taking a charge, we're blocking a shot, or um, uh, we're going to foul. Are you so? Are up. you saying? Are you saying? Are you saying no paint like in a pass, no paint in a dribble? The balls, the ball should not get caught in the paint area. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. The okay. ball cannot get the paint, and we've restricted the area that we have to defend, which should enable us to do a much better job of keeping the ball out of paint. Which is why we play the pack. We want to keep the ball out of paint. Okay. Um, the, the second thing is, uh, and this is a big one for us that doesn't apply to uh, some programs, no baseline. We cannot allow the ball to be a driven baseline because we have no help other than the baseline there. Okay. So our whole key is, and you say, okay, you're forcing the middle. No, we're not. We're not forcing the ball middle. Oh, that's semantics, coach. No, it's not. We're not going to allow the ball to beat his baseline but we are not forcing it middle. Our whole goal is to stay squared up with the ball and keep it in front of us. Okay. Uh, have you, have you but, thought of, of – because I'm a stats teacher too. I teach statistics. And, and, I've, and I've tracked this for like, maybe like five, six years. Have you thought of, of – and it's probably not as big at your level as it is at mine. We, we sometimes push weak hand because kids do not go as well to their weaker hand than their stronger hand. My guess is even at the D3 or D2 level, they probably don't finish quite as well going to their weak hand. Have you ever thought of anything like that? We have, and I think that's terrific. And we've played against we, – we'll really zero in on a scouting report. That's the part of scouting that we're um, the more intense on. I'm not as concerned about how many plays or actions or things you do. It's about the individual tendencies of your players. Okay. Um, but I do think this uh, – and as a, as a pack line coach, we don't want to switch. We try to avoid that. There are a couple situations we will have switches that will occur. And for us, it's uh, personnel acceptable because we have the shot clock. So we're going right. to, we're going to only have to defend a mismatch for a minimum amount of seconds. Right. No, we, we think it's important to maintain the integrity of your matchup. So that's why we don't, I want my best guy guarding your best offensive player, my best defender. I want my it's best all. defender that can guard penetration to guard your best player. So okay. because of that, maybe we can get more focused on we can, but Steve, I've always felt this in the heat of the battle. It's really hard to, to change what you're doing. Okay. I'm on the right wing. Right. So the, the guy has no left hand, I'm going to try to force him middle. Now I'm on the left wing. He, the same guy who has no left hand, I'm going to try to force him baseline. Right. Players, we try to teach how we're going to play. We always say this, game prep starts day one of practice. How we're going to guard screens, how we're going to guard the ball screen, how we're going to defend doesn't change throughout the season. Okay. So consequently, our hope is that our team will consistently get better each and every day that we're right. on the court because we're doing the same things over and over. And it's simple, and it's simple. Okay, so those are two big ones. What Any other big ones that you yeah. would? Yeah, uh, no direct drives. You know, we can't let the ball just blow by us. Uh, somehow, some way, we've got to be able to arc the dribble to, uh, you know, to push it out in some way. We can't just let 
the ball, like for instance, we can't close out in such a way that the ball just blows right by us. That can't happen. And so how do you, so how do you, how do you deal with, so <laughs> this is some of our issues we had, especially last year is, you know, we were in the right position, but, but I wasn't quite as athletic as the guy was defending. And all of a sudden he'd go around. I call them direct line drives. We cannot let direct line drives because like then that. we can't, then we can't get our rotation. Um, so how do you work on that? How do you work on that skill during, during practice and stuff? Well, the number one thing is you've got to play a lot of one-on-one and you've got to close out from that one-on-one to play. And okay. players, you'll, you'll get a couple of things that will occur from that. Number one, they'll start to understand what their limitations are. And so we always say we want to guard the ball as hard as we possibly can without fouling or giving up that direct line drop. Right, that yep. Heard to. Yeah. Um, so the big key on us – in direct drives is it gets down to closeouts and with closeouts it means that we've got to be able to finish hard and short we if you get up into the ball the ball is going to beat you there's got to be a degree of cushion right I think the two best friends for any defender are cushion and movement of your feet football. okay That's yeah I, yeah friends. I agree it, yeah, well I was at the final four and they were talking I don't, I don't know if it was beeline. It was somebody, but they were basically talking about working on all the different types of closeouts and how you close outs yeah. and the run buys and all that. And that, and we've worked on that before, but that was a whole different level of, um, of that. I always say you are who you can guard. <laughs> that oh, you know, that, that might be the difference probably. between D two and D one is like, you are who you can guard. If you can guard uh-huh. Kobe, you can play there, you know, kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, how do you how do you do that in practice? You, do you work it specifically in closeouts, or do you do it in small breakdowns? Uh, we do it both. We do it in okay. small breakdowns, one on one. I think you've got to guard the ball one on one. Your players have to learn how to guard the ball. Okay. There's only one way to do that, and that's to be forced to do it one on one in practice. But we'll also do two on two, three on three, yep. four on four, yep, and five on five closeouts, and then we want to work specifically from the different positions on the floor in different angles of delivery of the pass in our closeouts. Okay. There's nothing that we work on more than closeouts. Really? That's, that, that's the number one thing that we're going to work on from September to, to March. Okay. More than, more than, more than specific rotations. Cause your kids are probably good enough. Like my guys are fine on the first rotation. It's this, it's, they'll get there to help on the first thing. It's that second rotation at the high school level that we really have to work on. Um, so it's like, oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta limit. It's interesting that you, that closeouts are your, are your most common, and, and maybe it's because that's something they don't do a good job of at the younger when, they, when you get them initially. I, I just think it's the hardest thing to teach to keep the ball in front, and you know, it's uh, the ball's moving. And see, to get there's, there's. A couple of really big – there's three big keys, I think, in understanding the pack line defense. And to give you just a little bit of a uh, history, when I took the Robert Morris job, I inherited a team that hadn't had a winning year in seven years. Right. We had always been an up-the-line, on-the-line, switch like screens and put as much pressure on the ball as you can during our entire ten years at California University. Okay. But we started finding as we got into years seven, eight, nine, even though our teams were really good, maybe despite what we were doing, um, 
our pressure wasn't as uh, efficient, particularly once we got into late play and played teams that had played against us and understood who we were for a number of years and then in the postseason play. So then when I took the Robert Moore shop, all of a sudden I inherited a team, great guys, had some of the best kids you could ever expect to have. And I think they would tell you the same thing today. We just weren't very good. I mean, they weren't a very talented group. <laughs> I've had some of so those. You want them to marry, you want them no to marry your daughter. Yeah, you want them to marry your that, daughter. Yeah. In that period of time, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You'd want to bring them home for dinner and to marry your daughter, but you yeah. certainly didn't want to go to war with them in a basketball yes. game. Yes. But at that period of time, um, it was a lot harder than it is now because you weren't allowed any work with your team until October 15th other than conditioning and weightlifting and that kind of thing. Right. So we went through a week of practice, and it became uh, just ex- extremely uh, obvious. Right. This team did not have the talent to get up and pressure the basketball and deny passing lanes. And Coach Bennett had been at Wisconsin for a year. So okay. I'd called out and talked to uh, Brad Soderberg, his yep. assistant at the time, who's now one of Tony, Dick's yep. son's assistants. Yep. At, uh, Virginia yeah and they invited me out so I I practiced on a Thursday morning at 6 a.m got my car from Pittsburgh drove the the day to get to Madison yeah stayed the night visited for a while in their offices on Friday watched practice Friday afternoon came back on Saturday uh, saw Saturday morning they had like a, a scrimmage Saturday afternoon and then came back on Sunday and watched uh, practice. They got in the car and drove all night so our team could practice on uh, Monday. Right. Probably the best thing I ever did. And that's where we started okay. the pack line defense. And it brings me back to those three things. The, and I didn't understand these at the time. The number one thing is you've got to pressure the basketball as hard as you possibly can. Without getting beat? So, 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 so that's the, so, so what you're saying is that's, so that's my thing. It's like, I'll tell them to pressure. They will literally get up in there in, and they'll go around them. So you're saying it's almost like a pressure. And then for some kids, it might be a pressure and a little bit of a retreat. So you don't get those direct line drives, something well, like that. If you don't have the athletic ability as the person, you don't have the athletic ability or the defensive technique to keep the person that you're defending in front of you, then you've got to give space. Okay. And, and it, it, there's a, you know, maybe you've got to give more space. And so you're giving up a jump shot, but that's what you will right. give that up as opposed to giving up that direct line drive. And that's where the one-on-one play comes so important okay. in practice because yep. it allows your players to understand how can I guard this guy who's quicker than I am and keep him in front of me. Okay, so that's that's um, the first thing. Is... That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, and this is this is this is the really big one. Uh, we're already in help, and that's where the pack line comes into place. So we have one person guarding the ball. Our other four defenders must be inside our pack line. And for us, our pack line is at sixteen feet. Okay. The third one is we we may not be or we're not you, you're not you can't keep good teams from getting shots we're not going to keep you from getting shots but what we can do is we can influence the type of shot you're going to get so 
I said our, I think it was our third thing that we talked about going back to the know your nose yep. was to not give up direct drives. Well, our fourth thing is that we harp on constantly is no rhythm threes. I do not want the offense to be able to catch a uh, pass that they can one, two step into it and shoot a three without any resistance. Okay. You've got so, to bother so- that shot. Okay, so what? What? The, yes, I've I my I don't have any hair. That's probably why because I'm so. So what is a rhythm? Explain to me what a rhythm three is, and then is it better to stop the rhythm three and let them have a direct line, or is it better to? Well, it's better to do dirt. Hey, coach. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I would ask that you stop the car right now. You pull your credit card out and go and join teachings.com for coaches who want to get better. Because what you're saying to yourself is, I want to get coaching from Coach Collins. I want to become a better basketball coach. I want to take it to the next level. Um, and let me help you do that. Also, make sure you subscribe and like. Leave a review. Those are important. Um, you know, they, they allow us to get the word out about Coach Unplugged and High School Hoops. And also, if you're thinking about doing any shopping, click down below on the Amazon link. Um, those, you know, every time you go shopping, we'll get a small little affiliate uh, kickback and it helps us with our hosting fees. All right. Talk to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.